Kingdom Family Legacy introduces the Generational Transfer Podcast. The KFL Podcast is a podcast preparing the next generation for deeply meaningful relationships. In today's podcast, Dana and Rose Thompson discuss the topic of advancing the kingdom. After a recent women's roundtable, Rose shared on how Esther advanced the kingdom. You will enjoy the revelations and insights from the life of Esther in this discussion. Thank you for tuning in today. Here is Dana Thompson. Welcome to the Kingdom Family Legacy Generational Transfer Podcast. This is D.L. Thompson. Glad you guys are able to join us again. Hopefully you're enjoying the podcast. Just had the introduction podcast this October the 19th was our very first podcast. And now we're continuing on with our conversation. Here with me today, I have my spare rib, Rose Thompson. How you doing, Rose? Oh, sweet. That's a beautiful. Um, thank you so much for uh, that beautiful introduction. Oh, I'm doing great and i um, excited about the podcast today. Well, it's good to have you. I know that you just uh, got out of a wonderful women's meeting, and that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast today to talk about exactly what was happening in that women's meeting that you had today, because I heard a lot of powerful testimonies coming out of it. Seemed like the meeting touched a lot of the ladies' lives. What led you to actually put this meeting together? Uh, That's an excellent question. And I'll just start by saying the Lord really stirred my heart uh, about the women and just much of what uh, we all have been faced with, challenged with, particularly since the pandemic. Um, I think with the pandemic, it just kind of uh, highlighted and, and really just threw a wrench into whatever we were already uh, trying to juggle and manage as wives, um, as mothers, as school teachers, um, you know, added to, you know, whatever career path um, we were, you know, trying to maintain. Now we're being faced with the challenges of trying to do that and also homeschool our children and also, you know, trying to protect our families from, you know, this virus, which is plaguing our world uh, and particularly our, our communities. So, but the Lord stirred my heart about women being very instrumental in this time to advance the kingdom of God and that we would have a significant role uh, as we've always had throughout history, but uh, uh, many times it the role of the woman would be overlooked or maybe overshadowed, and the Lord just wanted um, an echo of His sound of strength and power and love to really be um, lifted up in this time, so that women could hear that sound and know that you know, what you're doing right now is so valuable. What you're doing right now is what I've called you to do. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing right now is going to fulfill your purpose and destiny. And so I felt like it was more of a rallying call in a way to just highlight the Lord's attention on the women and highlight the Lord's attention on uh, what he wants to stir up in the women so that they, we as women would be better prepared uh, for our futures. And also I'd like to add to that, 
the purpose of this is for the sake of the next generation. Mm-hmm. You know, the title, um, you know, generational transfer is so apropos because uh, unless we do the thing that we are called to do, not only do we suffer because we don't, uh, we're not fulfilled. Um, you know, we struggle with, you know, being able to maintain our peace, maintain our joy, maintain our value. All those things come from uh, the presence of being able to fulfill the thing you're called to. You, We get satisfaction. We are able to achieve a certain level of satisfaction when we're fulfilling our purpose and destiny. And when we don't do these things, not only do we suffer, but our families suffer. Yes, I was kind of excited to hear one of your facilitators actually uh, talked about how the mental repercussions of not knowing your calling and your destiny, how that has lent itself to major depression and even suicide yes. in some cases. So uh, I really enjoy listening to some of the part that I listened to. I have to go back and listen to it again so because so many wonderful things that was said um, in this particular meeting. But I just want to ask you, I noticed that... Uh, the theme of your conference was taken from the book of Esther. Also, um, I saw the rise up, you know, I think you mentioned some of the reason why, uh, or what you're referring to as rising up, you know, um, but it's pretty interesting during the pandemic, you will wonder why is God putting it on the heart of uh, a woman of God, such as you to really encourage the woman in this time to fulfill their calling and destiny when they said, I feel like I'm strapped to the home right now and to my children and to schooling, you know, <laughs> why at this particular time do you feel like the Lord uh, wants women to know their particular call and destiny? Yeah, I think it's a simple answer. And that is uh, it's time to embrace the call. Um, one of the the greatest calls that any one of us could ever embrace is the call to suffering. Hmm. Um, We all have a measure of suffering that we must embrace. And as a woman, being as dynamic as we are, as passionate as we are about our careers, our families, our, our husbands, obviously, and, you know, a number of other things, we're faced with the challenge of how do we manage, how do we maintain our own sense of purpose, our own sense of dignity, our own sense of value in the midst of trying to care for so many things at once, um, And then add on top of that, as we've already mentioned, um, our safety. So it's time that we not uh, grow weary in Mm well-doing. Yes, it's a lot upon us. Yes, um, there is some mental anguish that comes with uh, the things that we probably normally would have done but because this isn't a normal uh, situation or circumstance, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, it just makes everything that much more difficult uh, to get through. It's hard to get up in the morning and face the day. But when we embrace our call, it gives us not only courage, as it did Esther, to rise up. I mean, she was in the midst of, you know, conflict herself. She was in the midst of 
suffering herself, mm-hmm. uh, the suffering of her people, and you know the whole threat of being annihilated um, weighed upon her. And so, the challenge that she must have felt, and the suffering that she knew she would have to succumb to, even her own very life, she was willing to rise up, knowing all of what could happen and answer that call. Wow. Yes. I think the story is very parallel to the time and seasons we're in, you know, talking about annihilation. You know, we have a virus that's possibly annihilating a lot of lives um, today. And I know that Esther was faced with the same thing um, because of an enemy. You know, we look at this virus as an enemy as well that can possibly annihilate a people, our people even. We've already lost some people, of course, close to us and uh, friends and family that we've known and and uh, because of this particular virus. But I'm just thankful because I believe the Lord has really highlighted uh, a scripture that I think is prophetic for our time. You know, the book of Esther. Uh, let's start out just by talking about uh, in the beginning of the book of Esther, you know, when you open the book up, it's sort of start off, you know, with uh, a young lady in which you probably are very aware of who uh, was summoned to a banquet and she refused to come. And and so it sort of start off by telling us the story in order for there to be a place made for Esther. But I, I've heard you talk about this particular situation in scripture. I just want to hear it again. How do you feel about um this part of the story in the book of Esther. Yeah. So, uh, you, you've talked about the feast Xerxes, King Xerxes had uh, a feast, um, that lasted 180 days. Um, it was during the time of war. And so he was basically rallying his troops together, uh, to, to meet this challenge. So, um, and during the drink, the banquet, after being full of wine, the scripture says uh, he beckoned for the queen, uh, Vashti, to come before him and unveil herself. She was to unveil herself and show her beauty. Well, uh, Vashti um, didn't think that was so, um, you know, a modest thing for her to do. And it was very undignified for her to do and even shameful. And so she actually had the courage to say no to the king. She would not parade before he and all of his uh, princes of uh, provinces there and um, show herself off. Now, of course, that was being disobedient and it, you know, deserved great punishment But Vashti was more interested in saving her dignity, saving her um, modesty, and not bringing shame to herself uh, than even answering the king's call. Wow. You never hear from that perspective. You always hear that, you know, she was just a disobedient woman who didn't obey her husband, especially her husband who was a king. And he wouldn't have it because... You know, even those who were around his table with him at the banquet at this point said, hey, you have to make an example of her, because if not, then 
it's going to get out and our wives are going to find out. And next thing you know, they're going to start not doing what we tell them to do. How do you feel about that in reference to what you're saying, her trying to preserve her virtue and her dignity in this particular situation? Well, I think it's some, it's, it's a compromising position to be put in for any woman to feel that her covering or her husband, in this case, the king would ask such thing of her. Well, we know he was, he was drunk. Um, so it was really, you know, foolery for him to even ask her of such thing. In fact, he actually repented of it later. Um, he realized what he had done, um, after, uh, her Bashti's refusal, he had no other choice but to banish her, not only from the king, from the palace, but from the province. And so, uh, the shame that came upon her, uh, not only because she, you know, dishonored the king, but can you imagine all of the other households, um, husbands, you know, whispering to other husbands and, and wives having the conversations in the, in the homes must have been very interesting. But I just feel that it's a compromising situation, nonetheless, for any woman to be in. We all want to be submissive to our husbands and to our leaders. And yet, sometimes we find ourselves in conflict, whether we obey God or we obey man. No, that's a really good uh, parallel because um, I understand that you are my wife, but your first duty is as a son of God, you know, uh, to the Lord. And that's the position you've already taken. And that's what I love about you that you are willing to speak your heart and mind as the Lord, you know, gives you a word even to me. And I, I can hear you speaking from your sonship and then I can hear you speaking as a wife and they become one when you, when a husband has a heart to his, to listen, that you will hear both the son and the wife and, and you should know how to discern that, you know, but um, I do want to uh, just ask you what else about this whole entire story of Esther that really captured you, that you felt that, you know, the women really needed to uh, hear about this particular book? Yes, I would love to expound just a little bit more. So uh, much of what the um, advancing, women advancing the kingdom of God um, roundtable was about came from chapter four of Esther and particularly verse 14. Um, this scripture here is about Mordecai's uh, answer to Esther after she, you know, was, you know, really being faced with the challenge of speaking to the king about her people, revealing who she was as a Jewish woman, and then you know, wanting to beg him to save her people. Hmm. And Vashi, Vash, uh, not Vashi, excuse me, but Esther was in a predicament because she had to go before the king in order to make her request known. And to do that meant uh, a po the possibility of losing her life. Hmm. As one, she pointed out to Mordecai that she hadn't been before the king uh, for 30 days. And the law states you never go before the king unless he calls you or you have to send a request. Hmm. 
and he must, you know, uh, say, yes, you can come. And so unless he were to lift his scepter, um, then that meant off with your head. I mean, death. So she knew the consequences of her action. So why did she not uh, put in a request and wait for the king to, to respond? Um, we don't really know. But we know that she pondered uh, Mordecai's request before um, she took action. Yeah. One of the things I was going to ask you, because I noticed that one, I believe the women were very touched by you talking about Esther's upbringing. Can you share a little bit about how did she come about being groomed for this particular role before we go more into that particular verse and chapter? Yeah, certainly. Um, I thought it was really interesting to, you know, make the parallel of Esther's upbringing with many of our own because Esther, you know, she's had humble beginnings. Uh, her parents, um, because of the captivity of the Jewish people at that time, um, they died. They died. And so Esther was fatherless. Uh, she was without uh, the privilege of being raised by a mother and a father, as many of us were not raised by both parents or were ha uh, put in a position of having to uh, maybe go in a foster home or be raised by another. So in this case... Uh, a relative of hers, Mordecai, uh, saw that she was without uh, coverage and a guardianship. And so he actually adopted her. So Esther was adopted by her cousin. Hmm. And I thought that was really unique. And, you know, interestingly enough, not only was Esther adopted, but Esther also, you know, her people, being a Jewish people, was a victim of slavery. I mean, that's how they ended up in Persia at that time. Um, they were captive, uh, captives of the war, and so um, they were brought over to Persia. Wow. That's a really, really um, sobering you know, what I can say, biographic display of her life and how she was brought up. Um, let me just go back to what you were saying about the Mordecai. You know, I really appreciate Mordecai seeing uh, his need to take a woman who basically have lost her father and, and her mother, her parents, and, and to actually bring her under his wing we need more Mordecai. You hear me, gentlemen? I hope you're listening today. We need more Mordecai. Yes, we do. We, we've talked about that. Um, uh, sorry to interrupt, but we've talked about men today. We say women rise up. You know, women rise up and take your place um, as the virtuous woman. Uh, women rise up and take your place as a woman of value. Rise up and take your place as a woman of strength. Um, we have a lot to bring, but also men, you know, men of valor, uh, such as Mordecai. We do need more, more of um, Mordecai's in, in, our, in our generation. Yes. You know, one of the things you mentioned in the verse of scripture you, you were reading, you said you don't know why she came uh, to the king, knowing that, you know, her life was in danger. 
I believe it points to something in which we have to be aware of, and that is we cannot love our lives even unto death. That was I, That's what I saw in Esther when she went before the king. I really, really appreciate that. And another thing is, um, is about timing. You know, sometimes the situation at hand, you know, you can't write a letter. You know, it takes immediate action. You know, it takes immediate obedience. You know, we used to say slow obedience is no obedience. <laughs> you know, so once you get a word from the Lord, you know, sometimes God is going to require for you to to act on it right then and there and not wait. So uh, I think the timing and being able to discern the timing said a lot about Esther's relationship with God. And I totally agree. And something jumped out at me just as you were speaking about that. Um, the timing of the Lord. And, you know, I thought about Esther must have been felt a sense of desperation. You know, I said she was going through a time of suffering. Oh, yeah. If someone dropped that weighty information on you, uh, that your people are, you know, um, being faced with annihilation, what are you going to do about it? You know, to have that kind of weight placed upon you would bring a degree of torment, <laughs> you know, fear, all of those things. So I kind of feel like there was a desperation that she must have felt. Mm -hmm. She was desperate enough that she was willing to rise up and put her people first, put you know, others' situations before her own. And I just wanted to, the reason I wanted to bring that up is because it shows the characteristic of leadership. Hmm. You talked about timing. A leader will always put others before him or herself. That's the first thing. And a leader doesn't wait. When something needs to be done, a leader takes action, just mm -hmm. as you said. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Um, what about this enemy that they were confronted with? Did you mention that any today in your uh, speaking with the women about this enemy that was plotting and planning and un trying to undermine the king? And when you said, you know, sweetheart, my message for the women and what I would like to do as a theme is from the book of Esther. The first scripture, or should I say, what came to heart, the first expression that came to my heart was, a woman who knows how to turn the hearts of kings. You know, that's what I begin to think about. She can turn the heart of a king, you know. And uh, and so what did you learn about uh, reading this book about her enemy? You know, because we saw how everything that he did came back upon him. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's my hope uh, to launch um, similarly to the round table, but, you know, for a different purpose, a study group, um, called virtue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, the virtue study group, I, the first book of the Bible we're going to look at is the book of Esther. And you're right. The Esther, uh, story, uh, shows lots of challenges uh, from an enemy. And we know the enemy was actually, uh, plotting from within, you know, this enemy had authority. This enemy had power. Mm -hmm. This enemy had influence. And he could have certainly uh, launched this annihilation um, immediately. He plotted to, 
to um, kill Mordecai. And so what I saw is the Lord's providence for not only Esther and her people, but also for Mordecai. Um, the Lord saw fit to bring Esther into the palace of the king for that appointed time to show the enemy that he is not um, in control. You know, so we see God's providence, we see God's control, we see God's hand that, you know, what was meant for harm to Esther and her people actually ended up being wrought on the perpetrator. Yes. But it also shows you how God prepares those who he calls and puts us in strategic positions so that we can make a difference. Can, can you imagine such a ruthless ruler? who basically means no one good, you know, who basically wants to kill and murder an entire race of people. Can you imagine if there was no, you know, strainer within? So it shows us as God's people how important it is for us to fulfill our calls and make sure that we understand that God puts us in every arena of life so that we can be that salt. And right now we're going through a shaking because God is shaking the salt shaker. And he's trying to make sure that he's sprinkling his preservatives uh, in this earth by his people, by us being the light in every arena. So whether that's politics, whether that's, you know, finance and banking, you know, whether that's the arena of education, we're seeing those who God is strategically putting in those positions and using their anointing to do exactly what Esther did, to, to basically keep the enemy from advancing and advancing the kingdom of God. Exactly. Amen. And that's how we advance the kingdom of God. We, we occupy the place that God has given us. We utilize the gifts that God, the tools that God has given us. And we walk in the place of strength, authority and power that he has given us. And when we do these things, we push back the enemy and we hold fast of the kingdom to the kingdom. And that in and of itself advances the kingdom. For every advancement of the kingdom, the enemy loses ground. And that's what we want to see. We see the enemy uh, not even just lose ground. He was killed. <laughs> he was he lost his place. Hmm. You know, it reminds me of, of Satan. You know, he lost his place, but also he was killed. And we know that Satan's ultimate he lost uh, his just, power. He lost his power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He lost his place, and his, life. <laughs> his power, and his life. And it reminds us of, of Satan himself because the Lord says that he would be too destroyed mm -hmm. in the lake of fire. So we look forward. Um, to the complete consummation of the advancement of the kingdom. But right now, the focus is, you know, what's your call as a woman of God? You know, who are you called to? Who are your people? And what has he called you to do? And so I think together, you and I and others who love the body of Christ, who love operating in the kingdom principles, would be there as a support, would be there as a guide, and even as covering. 
Hmm. You know, as spiritual fathers and and mothers and uh, support systems to help people to actually carry out their destiny and in that way advance the kingdom. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you know, one of the things I notice is that your invitation, you know, the calling is an invitation. That's what the Bible says. When God calls us, he invites us to himself. You know, he did the same to his 12 apostles. It says that Jesus called them to himself. And that's where our calling is first and utmost uh, supposed to be to, because if we're not called to him and we're doing something outside of him, then it will not prosper. You know, that will not make the fire that will, will eventually try our works. So if our works are true and pure and uh, motivated by love, then we will find that the Lord does, you know, call us to himself and then he prepares us so that when the atmosphere and the time calls for that, which is in you, then you can give, you know, one of the things I heard you say um, is that God has put something in all of us. We are carrying something within all of us and how important that is that we give what we are carrying. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? I was just going to say, you know, you talked a little bit about preparation and I wanted to kind of just circle back to Esther and how she was a great example um, first, because, you know, Esther was prepared and you talked about being called unto him first and having a pure a purity of heart. Well, Esther was prepared by her uh, father, a spiritual father, uh, Mordecai, and raised up to be not just a woman of God, uh, for she was a Jew, but also raised up to be a wife. Hmm. And so what I noticed about Esther's preparation is that she was faithful and she understood that it was more powerful for her to be obedient to the things of God than for her to um, just lavish herself. So her beauty was one of the things that people uh, would see first. But the greatest beauty about Esther was her character. Hmm. And she was a woman of strength. She was a she was a woman of of great value. She was a woman of virtue. And so um I think that's also, um, you know, important to to bring out. That's great. Well, I tell you what, um, I would like to continue this discussion because I want to talk about some of the facilitators and what they had to say and how that all came together with your topic. So um, we're going to pick back up with this. All right. Is that okay with you? Okay, that'd be great. Yeah, All right. let's do that. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening in today. Rose, thank you once again for coming and sharing your heart. We look forward to continuing this conversation on our next podcast. Have a good day. Thank you for joining the KF Legacy Podcast. If you would like to support this work, please go to kflegacy.com and click on support. Until next time, grace and peace be upon you.